Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. On today's episode of the Leadership is Female podcast, I bring you Melanie Newman. Melanie is currently a broadcaster for the Baltimore Orioles and MASN. She is a glass ceiling breaker as one of only seven women in affiliated baseball to call play-by-play. She also reports for the ACC Network, the World Axe Throwing League, and American Cornhole on ESPN, Liberty University through ESPN and LFSN, Game Day Radio, and Major League Baseball Data Operations. She is a former play-by-play broadcaster for the Boston Red Sox High Affiliate in Salem, Texas Rangers AA Affiliate in Frisco, reporter for the Big South Conference, host for Troy University, host for WKSY-TV, media communications coordinator for the Arizona Fall League, announcer, host, and correspondent for the Mobile Bay Bears, formerly Arizona's AA, and reporter for the A-Sun Conference and Sun Belt Conference. Whoa. Melanie's voice has been all over sports, and she's climbed the ranks through the minors to make her mark in Major League Baseball. It's her hard work, seize the opportunity mentality that has given her so much opportunity. Melanie is also as genuine and as hardworking as they come. She's here to pave the way for women's equity in sports, but also to demonstrate the value of work-life balance, taking care of yourself, and keeping a solid group of friends. She'll tell us how help from, quote, the girls has got her to where she is today. Melanie's got a lot to offer in this episode, so without further ado, here she is, Melanie Newman. We're so excited to welcome Melanie Newman to the Leadership is Female podcast. She's a versatile and energetic broadcaster, highly skilled as an announcer, sideline reporter, host, and commentator. She's one of seven women in the nation to call play-by-play for professional affiliated baseball with the Baltimore Orioles. Welcome to the podcast, Melanie. Thank you. I'm so excited we can finally do this. Yes, me too. So I'm going to put the ball in your court and I would love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Yeah. um, So it's really cool where I am right now is like you said, with the Baltimore Orioles, but it's a position that I haven't really seen when any other major league team, at least up until this point. Um, this year in particularly looking at the 2021 season, I'll have a huge role in the play-by-play, um, radio side of things. It'll be about 90 games and then filling in the rest from there with TV sideline reporting. But, um, outside of even just the end game stuff that's going on, I'll be contributing as a digital host out in the community. Hopefully if, uh, COVID protocols continue to improve and, um, just really inserting myself anywhere I can into Birdland, And it was an opportunity that 
um, kind of sprouted organically, just sitting down with the Orioles. I had no idea that it was even an interview. Um, it just, it was a chat and, and a lunch and that was it. And it was talking about just the philosophy of the game and everything around it, what fans are expecting from broadcast now. You know, you pay attention when you go out places and there's a game on TV to what fans around you are saying, especially as a broadcaster, because you're like, oh, I like this. But then you want to know if it's only because you're in it or if people outside of the bubble who it's designed for like it as well. And um, from there, I went back home to Georgia and all of a sudden got this email that it was a full time position that I would be able to join them and um, really hopefully make a difference on how people are consuming baseball, at least in the Baltimore area. And I've, I've been really lucky to have that. And that really grew from the fact that I came up through the minors. Um, in college, you know, you get in your head that you're going to have this one job and, and this is the one way to get there. And the reality is it's just not the case. You, you have to wear a lot of hats, especially in this industry. So I grew to love every new job. Um, at What's the description that they put in the job titles where it's all other duties as assigned uh, for, for minor leagues. And um, it really taught me the importance of, of driving home a connection. It's not enough to just be behind a microphone and say something into a camera or to say something over the airwaves, but to build an actual emotional attachment is where you start to make a difference and start to reverse the way that we had kind of put sports on a pedestal of just being black and white statistics. And these are actual living, breathing human beings. And I just think it's special to share that. Um, so I'm in Detroit University. I graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Broadcast Journalism with a double minor in Sports Information and Leadership Studies. And from there, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, my parents weren't in the industry and um, everything that I'd known was everybody was getting into news station work. And I thought, well, that's so different. You know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be in live sports. Or I'm going to be in baseball. Plot twist. That was totally the false perception. Um, I now encourage people all the time to go into the news industry because it actually is a very viable path to getting into live sports coverage. But um, I was without a job for about a the year and a half after I graduated, which is a real panicky moment of, you know, still being at your parents' house and, and trying to figure out a next step after you thought this would never be you. Um, bounced around. I started with an independent team in Kilgore, Texas, that is now defunct. Went halfway through the season to the AA, now also defunct, Mobile Bay Bears. And uh, spent a year and a half with that organization, covered the Arizona Fall League for four years joined the Frisco Rough Riders in Texas in 2018 and the Salem Red Sox in 2019. And there's been a ton of other smaller jobs sprinkled in between that with ESPN, the ACC network. Um, MLB statistics is one that I still actively keep up with. And of course, all of the civilian jobs to pay the bills in between that. But it's, uh, it's an unorthodox path. And I definitely have tried to make it a little more easier for others who are coming behind me. Um, who are kind of in that same situation of how do I get to where you're going? Uh, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, you are certainly a glass ceiling breaker in occupying your current position. It's incredible. Congratulations on all your success. And it didn't come without all the hard work and perseverance on that journey and a lot of moves all around the country. So you did a great job telling us how you got there. Now talk to us about day-to-day. What does it look like to be in Melly Newman's shoes? Oh gosh, day-to-day now versus two years ago is just so different. 
Um, minor league life was usually seven or eight o'clock in the morning until two o'clock in the morning the next day. Uh, just, you know, stats, office work, sales, social media, and then the actual broadcasting in between. Now that I'm with the Orioles, we're really, really lucky. We have a huge research and stats department that can help us out. And that's not just for us. I mean, that's at the major league level as a whole. If there's something that we wanted to know, I mean, even if it's a clip that we wanted to rewatch of Kurt Schilling or Randy Johnson from back in the day and compare them to a modern day pitcher, it's crazy how quick we have these things at our fingertips. Um, so I usually try to start my day around eight or nine. And of course, with spring training and morning games, it, it is a little earlier, uh, but getting a good workout and getting a good breakfast, my time usually until 11 a.m. is my time. That's when I try to focus on myself and give back a little work-life balance that I haven't given myself for so long. Um, usually reading a couple different articles about what's going on in the rest of the league, just so we're not kind of an ostrich with our head in the sand about our club at that point. And if there's anybody that I still haven't caught up with, whether it's a friend or family member with a two week old, you know, Hey, how you doing? Text message, uh, being a little better about maintaining my personal relationships has been absolutely huge. So from then on, it's, um, buckling into pregame. And of course I, I don't know what non COVID major league baseball is like. So for us, it's just paying attention to what time pregame zooms are available for us to log into and if we have any community events that they have me involved in that are also through Zoom, handling those, getting ready. And um, we're not allowed to be in the park until about an hour and a half before first pitch. So really the rest of the day, it's just looking over stats, reading up on storylines, going back and looking over last night's game, um, but also having notes ready to go for that day. Who are projected pitchers, making sure that I've already filled out all of their charts. You know, what, what's their arsenal? What have they been doing lately? Um, especially when you see an opposing team, just because you know you, you know what your guys are going to bring every day. But it's a real blunder of a situation if somebody else comes up to the plate or steps on the mound and your excuse is, well, they don't play for us. And that, that's not acceptable at that level. Um, so just making sure everything's really flushed out, because then at that point, if you do have holes in your preparation, you know, you have enough time to, to call your broadcast partner or to talk to somebody else with the other team and just say, hey, can you help me out with this, or I'm, I'm having trouble finding stuff on this guy. And usually for me, especially if it's a pitcher or if it's a new position player, um, having a personal story on them to share. And I, I just think, again, it drives home the emotional connection of fans to players. That's something that they can relate to because it used to be this whole, well, you know, they make millions of dollars and they play a game. And I, I don't know what that's like, but that's so far from the reality of what so many of these guys have gone through. Um, so if there's those little nuggets that we can weave into the game in between, that's when I really feel like we've put a full broadcast out, um, for the audience to take in. And of course, if I'm in a sideline position, we wait for the post game zoom so that we can get questions in and then we go home. And if it's radio, we roll into post game radio recaps. Um, and of course, pre and post game, we just got to kick back and, and replay the clips that other people have asked throughout the day. But it's, it's just such a, it's not a laid back. It's definitely busy, um, but it's a more streamlined environment, I guess you could say, which has been a really big adjustment. Yeah. And I want to highlight the first thing you talked about was the work-life balance piece. And it's so challenging in this industry. And I think specifically baseball, sorry to all the other sports, but we have the most games. Yeah. Um, so I'm so happy that you you highlighted that and you talked about giving yourself back some time because you give so much time to your job. 
And I hope for the people in the back, did you hear that? There is space to do those things too. And I wanted to also touch on what you said about personal stories with the players. I think that media and coverage and what the fans want has really evolved. I think we have this much larger lens through social media today where we're curious about what they're doing. And so I'm thrilled to hear that you're asking those questions. Um, can you give us an example of of one of those stories or something that you found out or even how you keep up with the guys and, and know what to include and what to exclude? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, and first of all, if there's ever a situation, I think that's an important precursor. Um, we are not sure if somebody's comfortable sharing something, just straight up ask them. And whether that's again, because we don't have the ability right now with COVID to be in person, if that's a direct message or having even your public relations crew, send them a message to clear it, just saying, Hey, are you okay? If we're talking about this, um, we had John means and, and his wife, Caroline means on our show called the grind earlier last year when COVID first hit. And it was a, an outcoming story that everybody knew they were pregnant, but what a lot of people didn't know is they had had a miscarriage shortly before the second and of course successful pregnancy now that they have baby McCoy. Um, and, and I think that's important because we've had such a stigma for such a long time that, you know, we don't talk about miscarriages and we don't talk about fertility struggles and it's this hush hush thing and almost taboo when it shouldn't be. And so just to make sure they were good before we went live, I just said, Hey, you know, are you okay if we talk about rainbow babies and what that means? And they were so excited to, to share that and just to have that out there in the open. Um, and I think it adds a little bit of that trust too, that they know that we'll circle back around and, and we're never going to cover something that they're uncomfortable with. It's not our job to villainize athletes. It's our job to really kind of help them feel a little more at home. We had a spring training zoom last week and one of our relief pitchers, Tanner Scott, he had gotten a puppy over the off season. He gave into the COVID bug of adoption. And so everybody's just, you know, well, how's your fastball? And have you worked on this? And what's your velocity in this? And I finally said, Hey, it's like, how's it adjusting to being in spring training? And now you have a puppy and, and all this. And you could just see the the ease a little bit of, okay, like I can breathe for a minute. I can laugh for a minute. This is fun. It's supposed to be fun. Um, we talked to Ree Ruiz all the time about the saga of his mohawk slash mullet. And then all of a sudden he didn't have it and, and digging into that. And especially with kids, any players that have kids, um, Chris Davis has been such a highlight with his struggles on the field for the Orioles over the last two years and the magnitude of his contract. But I think especially with the Drew Robinson story that just came out, who's a kid that I worked with in our minor league days, um, it's giving that importance back to that balance. And so again, just being hammered with, well, what are you doing on field wise and what have you tweaked? And he mentioned it and mentioned that it was really hard last year when players didn't have a place to go to get away from the game because they, they weren't being given the freedoms to get away from it. And so I finally just stopped and I said, Hey, you know, you talked about this earlier, but for you, in this time where you can't physically get away, like who, who is getting you away from it? Who is taking your mind off of it? Or where, where do you go when you're trying to do that? And just letting them breathe, letting them talk about whatever they want to talk about. Um, that's a platform that we've missed in sports. And I'm really glad that we're finally coming back around to it. Yeah. So am I, because as a, you know, obviously I work in the industry, but when you put yourself in the shoes of the fan, you're able to know and like that player at a different yeah. level when you start to know them as an individual. And 
for the guys to feel comfortable sharing that means they're not worried any longer about investigative journalism. Like your questions are about kids and puppies and ease and really understanding who that person is and how they find their success versus looking for the negative spin. And I think that's an incredible thing for the game for, for the players. Thank you. No, I just, it's again, that's, that's how it should be, especially in your own organization. Yeah, hundred percent. And one of the things that um, I've come to find out about you, and um, I'm thrilled to bring this example to the podcast as well, because this podcast exists to support women and you have an incredible network of relationships with women in the industry where you lift each other up. So can you talk about that with us? Give us that real-time example and um, how do you make time for these relationships and how important are those to you? They're the reason I'm still here, hundred <laughs> percent. I, I would not be here without them. And it's funny because um, you look at the normal friendship and it makes sense, especially from a psychological standpoint, you have the oftentimes physical interactions where you're seeing them face to face, you're sharing phone calls or, you know, somebody's able to get to a text message right away. And it's just, it's not the same. Um, male or female in this industry to be able to have that. It, you're you're all over the country or you're working, you know, 16 hours a day for 200 days, excuse me, out of the year. And um, having people who understand that is critical. And so that's kind of been one of the best things about social media, as much negative as attention as it receives sometimes is the fact that it's given us a chance to connect with people who are like us, um, even if we're nowhere near each other geographically. So um, whether it is just a social media only interaction and it's keeping up with somebody and, you know, they, they post something on their Instagram story and you comment back and forth for a little and just have a conversation. It'll taper off after a couple minutes or, you know, keeping up with people on Twitter. Um, for myself, I do have a couple of conversations that are usually kept up daily. It's just, I have a really bad mental texting brain where you'll be in the middle of something and you'll go, oh, okay, well, this is what I'll say to them. And then you don't hit send. And Luckily, the girls all get that, um, that or I'll get the joke a little while later. It's like, so remember this that I said a couple of days ago, like, can you answer? Um, but the best one for me is we have a group text and it's myself, Jessica Kleinschmidt with NBC Bay Area, and then Danny Wexelman, who's with Perfect Game and MLB Network. And um, I, I think between texting and now that there's also the voice messaging feature on iPhones, it's an almost all day conversation. And it's really cool too, because introducing the voice messaging feature is almost like having a phone call with the exception of you're not having to scramble if you're in the middle of something to pick up the phone and hear what they have to say. You can play it when you get around to it and actually have the time and the space to respond. Um, and it'll be everything from, hey, you know, I, I want to ask this question, but I'm, I'm really not sure if I should, or do you know, do you guys think I should tweak it? Uh, you know, complaining about an outfit situation, getting opinions on it, uh, travel. I, there's just so many little nuances in day to day life. And, and again, having like minded people to kind of bounce off of and keep you going, um, especially on the hard days that's everything. And and we always joke with my family, especially they'll say, Oh, you know, Melanie claims she has friends, but we've never seen any of them. And it's true though, but it's at the same time, it's really cool when I can land in Houston and I know two, three girls that I can go grab lunch with and the same, you know, if I'm going to California or Boston, New York, um, you start to kind of really realize 
as you go and it clicks like, oh, this person's here and this person's over here, just how expansive it's gotten. And it, it feels so natural. I have to agree. And it's good to get that stuff off your chest too. When something bad happens, um, I had to phone a friend the other week. Um, I actually got some, some guy, um, Joe, somebody, uh, <laughs> responded to one of my podcast episodes and gave me one star and said, this, uh, this podcast isn't funny. And so I screenshot it and sent it to a friend and she's like, there's a Joe, you know, Joe Schmo, like for every, every piece of content that anybody puts out there. She's like, is the purpose of your podcast to be funny? I said, no. She's like, like, why do you care? Yeah. She goes, why, then why do you care? I'm like, well, because those little digs are little digs, no matter who you are, this podcast exists to lead her forward. It's not for Joe somebody, but I appreciated having a girlfriend around to sort of, you know, put that back on me and say, this isn't a big deal. Like let that guy exist. And you know, who your, who your raving fans are and worry about them, not this person. So that's sort of my little, you know, the girlfriend's guide to baseball. You got to keep those people in your corner and then get those things off your chest when that situation comes up. No, a hundred percent. And it's funny you mentioned that too, because I feel like a bulk of the the griping is always because of some little ignorant peon who just wants to make a comment on some form of social media and you get all worked up and big and bad in your head. And then you have the group that's just like, Hey, this is so insignificant. What are you doing? And it's just like that. Okay. You're right. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. And that, that person also reminded me that this dude doesn't have the courage to show up. So how much less does that opinion matter to you? So I want to, you know, just restate that for the audience. Like, think about those things. Think about that lens. Think about what you're doing and why you're doing it and focus on that. And then if you get that person that pokes you, you know, reach out to one of your sisters and she'll help support you. You guys, we have a new website, leadershipisfemale.com. Please visit us and know that we are here to help get you to the top faster. Are you a career female looking for an edge? Are you looking for answers on how you can level up? Our purpose is to bring interviews with female leaders in sports each week through this podcast, Leadership is Female, so you can uncover opportunities, hear tips to elevate your career, learn from our mistakes and successes so that you can get to the top faster. We're giving you all the advice we know now that we wish we knew then. We're extending a hand back to lead you forward. Let's go visit leadershipisfemale.com, join our newsletter, check out all the episodes of the podcast, and stay tuned for more resources to lead you forward. Leadershipisfemale.com. Throughout this season of Leadership is Female, I've talked with several founders of the Pro Sports Assembly. I'm glad to become a founder too and invite you to join us at prosportsassembly.com. We are the Association for People Who Work in Professional Sports. Our core purpose is the advancement of diverse and inclusive leadership. From finance to innovation, operations and sales to social responsibility, 
marketing, human resources, and analytics, the assembly aims to ensure pro sports has a diverse and talented pipeline to lead these efforts and more. Visit prosportsassembly.com to learn more. So there's been some amazing moments in this, in this game of baseball. They happen, gosh, daily that keep us so in love with this game. Can you talk about some of your favorite moments or one of your favorite moments that you've captured uh, covering baseball for all these years? Oh gosh, there's just, there's so many, and they're just of all these different varieties of either, you know, the ones that really grab you emotionally, the ones that excite you. And you're like, this can't possibly be my normal real life. And on the inside, you're kind of freaking out, like, this is such a big deal. And on the outside, like, no, this is your job. Like if it, this is normal, just play it cool. Um, and, and certainly most recently, just having gone from a worst to first situation, my final year in the minor leagues with the Salem Red Sox was such an awesome experience. Um, every team that I've worked with over the years has only been better than the one before it. But that year in particular was huge. Just knowing where I had started in this industry and I wasn't allowed on the bus and I wasn't allowed in the clubhouse. I, I wasn't allowed to talk to players on the field um, because the perception might be wrong. And and just what a, a negative and not healthy environment that I had been in and this box that I had been put in that, uh, you know, you're a female, so there must be ulterior motives or you're that much more vulnerable to somebody else's ulterior motives. And the reality is, is we just want to be treated the same. Um, and I, I tried explaining that before is we don't want to be treated worse, obviously, but we also don't want to be treated with kid gloves and the pedestal trophy hire of, look, we have our token female, you know, it's, it shouldn't be any different than anybody else in the office. Um, so with Salem finally clinching and, and getting to call the final strike out of the game. And, and I just couldn't believe that at one point we were staring at almost breaking the worst record since 1956 for a season. And all of a sudden they were here. Um, we were all down in the clubhouse and I had everything set up. I had attached GoPros to some of our guys and making sure we had full, full coverage of this event. And, um, I, I got everybody together a, a while into the champagne celebration said, okay, we, we have to do a team photo. And um, they wouldn't take it without me being in it. And I, I did not play for that championship. I did not earn that on the field at all. Um, but it was, it was just a very poignant stop in my life because they just kept saying, no, we're, you know, we're not taking it. You're on the bus every day. You were there every day. I, I can't tell you how many times players walked out of their hotel at 2 a.m. and I'm on the floor in the hallway trying to get Wi-Fi to finish uploading a game recap. Um, so to have that and to know that I had that level of inclusion was just really awesome. And, and again, there's there's so many in between there that I could go back and and count over. And, and I'm still, if I'm being honest, I'm waiting for that poignant moment with Baltimore where I go, oh my gosh, I've made it. And, and I hate to say it like that, but people say, oh, you know, does it hit you that you're in the big leagues? I'm like, well, we haven't had fans and I haven't, I haven't even seen my own stadium yet with the exception of the broadcast booth. So sometimes yes, but in a big way, no. And, and so that's probably the next moment I'm looking forward to um, is just that, okay, like I'm, I'm finally here. This is, this is a real thing. What an incredible moment that you shared with us. I mean, the, the recognition from the guys of all your hard work and, and getting to that level of inclusion that you had been seeking and your hard work 
spoke for itself. You were a part of, of that team uh, because of all that you had put into it that season. That's such an incredible story. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you get that moment this year uh, in the big leagues. All this success, right? You're at your pinnacle right now, your pinnacle for for this moment, this season. But there had to have been some big hurdles that you needed to overcome in order to get there. Can you pick one or two um, and tell us about what it was like and how you got through it or over it? Oh my gosh. Um, I can probably narrow it down to two, but um, like I said earlier, just being 16 months out of college and not having a, a job in my career path yet was a huge concern. So when I joined this independent team, um, it was unpaid. So I, I up and moved to Texas and we lived in these uh, not used junior college dorms and I'm really lucky that I made some really good girlfriends while we were there because we definitely got each other through some stuff. But the the wear and tear of it and the way that the employees were treated, it just got to a point where I felt like a pulp. Um, I didn't feel like myself anymore and I was absolutely miserable. But at the same token, it's halfway through a, a minor league season. It was June at this point. And I couldn't help but feel like, okay, if I left this after I waited this long to find any opportunity at all, I could be ending my own road right here. I could be having to either go back to school or pick a different path within my own field. And, and it was terrifying. And, and I credit my dad, who was a big reason why I followed this in the first place. He was very much the proponent of, you know, follow, follow what really lights you on fire. Like worry about the paycheck later. Um, and I remember calling him and I just said, Hey, you know, these are some things that are happening. And I got accosted for calling my sister to tell her happy birthday at two o'clock in the morning, um, which meant I basically had missed her whole birthday. But um, he said, you're, you're really not yourself. And I didn't know how to tell you that, but when you've called home or when you've had the time to text us, it hasn't been you. And I'm just here to tell you that if you've lost yourself in a job, that's not a job that you need to have any part of. And I literally packed everything overnight, um, walked into the office the next morning and said, I'm, I'm done. And they said, okay, well, you know, is this your two weeks? And I said, no, this is, I'm, I'm leaving today. Like my, my car is in the parking lot. It's all packed up. And the scariest thing too was we'd kind of made that pact as a group of girls that we were all going to leave uh, at the same time. And then the morning came and I was the only one, everybody else had backed out. And I was, no, so I, I thought it over and I'm going to stay it out. And I've never, I've always been the quiet person. Um, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm the little fledgling just getting pushed out over the ledge, but it worked out. I, I called everybody that I could possibly think of. And of course, that's how I landed with Mobile. And um, my partner there, Justin Baker, is, is the reason why I ended up in a play-by-play -play position professionally because I did get hired for other opportunities with them, but he took the initiative to also throw me in the booth in my free time. And that was everything. Um, so fast forward through 2018 and I had finished my year with Frisco. I, I loved everything about it. I loved working with the Rangers organization. And I just thought, you know, that was where I would be in 2019. I, I had a really good grip on things. I, I was able to live with family out there. Um, so it was manageable. And the week that pitchers and catchers reported in 2019, I got a phone call of, hey, we're having to make budget cuts. We're going to a one-man booth. Uh, we're outsourcing all of the sideline reporting back to Fox. And 
we basically don't have a job for you. And that was the first time that my dad of all people, my, my mom had been a little more concerned through most of the process, but my dad had said, you know, I, I think you need to look at PR or something else. This is, this just seems like the end of the line. And that was such a, a defeating moment to finally hear that, you know, I've had friends who have said that in the past and stuff, and you just kind of let it roll off your shoulders. But I really didn't know what to do. I was still employed with the stat side of things. So I was still at spring training and, and able to make my way through that. And I've filled gaps of employment working those positions before. But I also knew too, this is 10 years into my career at this point. And if this is the way that it's going to keep stumbling, that it probably wasn't a very promising sign. And um, I had applied for a job with the Corpus Christi Hooks. And Emma Tiedemann, who is such a good friend, but also a peer, she's now the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs. She called me and she said, hey, did you get the Corpus Christi job? And I said, well, no. And I, you know, I really thought I would have been good for it, but I haven't heard anything. She was, well, they just called me. And I was like, well, I didn't even get an email. So if you're getting a phone call, then I definitely didn't get it. Um, and so then we found out she called me back an hour later at best. And she said, oh, you're never going to believe this. But it's the guy that just took the Salem Red Sox job. So he's going to leave that job after he just accepted it two weeks ago. And, and he's going to go to Corpus. And I could not have moved my fingers faster just to connect to anybody and everybody in Salem and just said, look, you know, I, I grew up loving your organization. I can be there whenever you want me to. I'm already at spring training. I'll give you behind the scenes footage of, you know, the prospects who are expected to land with you guys. I'll do whatever. And uh, credit to Alan Lawrence, the general manager, who was just the most welcoming, awesome person to work for. Uh, the interview process went really quickly and I had the job <laughs> and that was really it. And um, it started a really huge ball to roll for me in the momentum of my career. And uh, I tell people a lot too, that was the first interview I've ever had where I was not asked you know, well, as a female, how will you handle being in the clubhouse? Or as a female, how will you handle being on the bus? And the fact that it was just, it was Mr. Cool Cucumber. He's like, no, you're good. Like I've, your, your resume is good. I've got no worries. You're good. Professional. It's fine. Um, it was a really just awesome moment of like, this is definitely where I'm supposed to be. What great stories. I mean, the first hurdle that you presented your bravery to stand up for yourself and walk out on a situation that was clearly unhealthy for you. It should be applauded. And then second, I mean, that tipping point, like you were out of a job and you hustled and worked your network and got the right tips, just like any good journalist will, and found your way to the Salem Red Sox, which was then so far the highlight of your career. And it's, you know, the road that you're describing is really one about hustle, about hard work, about being connected and taking care of the people around you, caring for those around you. You take a second fangirl because I'm just in <laughs> awe of, of this story and this representation. With all of that and all that you've been through, do you have a best piece of advice for women? You just, you have to stick to your guns. Um, you have to know that, and this isn't even just in our industry, but in any industry, knowing that this is where you're meant to be, regardless of what people on the outside say to you. Um, I mean, I, I started, I started this, I still remember being in the seventh grade and I was so shy that I said something to one of the three friends that I had made. 
and a, and a little boy who was walking past us, he heard it and he's like, guys, I, I just heard Melanie talk. I mean, that was the level of like introvert and shy that I was. Um, and so, you know, I transitioned, I grew out of my shell in college. They convinced me to go from print to broadcast. And um, so I, I didn't grow up also knowing that I wanted to be a broadcaster. And I struggled with that identity for a while, hearing so many other broadcasters go, oh, I've known this since I was six. And, and they have all this footage of them practicing and in high school. And it, it almost made me feel like I didn't deserve to be here for a while. And it just makes you realize that the human life has so many different forms of how you find your way, that however you find your way is how you find it. Um, you can't play the comparison game. And especially when it comes to timeline of when people are hitting big career marks and saying, well, she's two years younger than me, or, you know, I, I have this, or, you know, she didn't do this. That's, it's not going to get you any points. If anything, it robs you of, of a potential friend. Um, if you hold it against somebody for having a job. And even Greer Howard, who used to host for the Atlanta Braves, the best thing she taught me at one point is if you didn't get a job, you didn't lose the job to someone else. It was never your job to have in the first place. And that really kind of helped just put the blinders on and say, okay, I know my, I know my focus. I know my past. I know the people who are in my circle. And I also know what I need to do to get better. Um, saying yes to everything, but just sticking to you and saying, this is absolutely what I want to do in life and finding the way to make it work. Um, I didn't love, waitressing and bartending from ages 14 to 29, but it, it paid the bills. So you do it. Um, you know, you, you do have to, and I think that's why now I have such a focus on my work-life balance to give back because I was willing for those 10 years that I was trying to make it to really sacrifice that and, and to understand that I wouldn't have sleep some nights and, you know, I'm probably eating stale ballpark hot dogs and, and all this other stuff, but there were still so many good moments that outweighed the tough moments where you're just sitting there and you're either seeing the sunrise over the park or, you know, just something really awesome happens. And you're like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. I, I heard you say a couple of really, really great things there that I just have to reiterate. There's not a timeline for big career marks and that comparing yourself to others, there's really, there's no purpose to that. It's your career and your career alone. And if you lose the job, you didn't lose the job. It was never yours in the first place. And then finally saying yes to everything that's in your wheelhouse. So Melanie didn't say that you have to say yes to everything. She said, say yes to everything in your wheelhouse. So when those opportunities present themselves for projects that you are personally interested in, like that's when you jump up and down raising your hands, not everything period. So <laughs> definitely not. Um, but like, I, I think the best example of saying yes was at the end of 2014 with Mobile, um, I was still looking for a little more just because it was the end of the season, but I'd really only gotten maybe two months in after I had made the move to join them. I had never heard of the Arizona Fall League <laughs> at all. And it was my partner, Justin, who said, you know, all, all six of the Diamondbacks prospects who are being sent to Fall League this year are all mobile guys. Um, it was Archie Bradley, Jimmy Scherfe, Caleb Fleck. And I, of course, I can't remember the other three seven years later. But he said, you know, if you went out there, we could use that coverage. That could be stuff we feature on the website. We can make digital pieces. I'd never been to Arizona. I knew nothing, um, but I, I packed my car. I drove the 
25 hours out to Arizona and I figured it out. Um, I've slept on a lot of friends' couches and friends of friends' couches and I owe a lot of people some really big thank yous now. Um, but Folly ended up being something that I absolutely fell in love with. And that's why I covered it for the next four years after that and just got up every day and, and found ways to make connections. And I think too, with the players, um, there was a big point of recognition of, oh, like she's, she's out here doing this. I mean, we're sitting at Archie Bradley's kitchen table while he was signing autographs, talking about how he had been trying to reinvent himself back when he was a starter. Um, and, and just those little things that you'll, you'll always remember from that point. But yes, you have to be selective in what you say yes to. But I think the cool thing that Andy Green had told me at one point was, he said, look, I want to be a big league manager. I said, yeah. And he said, well, if I get offered the pitching coach job at AAA, I'm going to take it because the reality is, is it's still a step up and it's still in my wheelhouse. It doesn't deny me that I could eventually be a manager one day. He said, so it's really foolish of you just because something doesn't perfectly tailor to the lines of what you want for the, for the future to say no, because at the end of the day, all of those things that are still kind of related to each other are going to go hand in hand and help you for that next step. Yeah. 100%. Like one thing leads to another and any experience that you can add to your resume, either on paper or in your mental Rolodex is going to sell you into that next position. It's all about gathering, gathering that experience. So Melanie, it's been incredible talking to you today. And I wanted to ask if you would leave us with your favorite quote. You know, I had the whole time to think about this. (laughs) It's so tough just because there's so many good ones out there. This is like the worst pageant question I've ever choked on too. You know, I'm going to have to go with uh, one that I came up with, Daniel Roberts. He's an infielder who's bounced around a little bit. Um, I think he's back out on the West Coast now, but uh, he was smaller. He was undersized. And so we sat down and talked about how every single person had put him as a no. And now he's, you know, he was a part of the Rays last year in their historic run to the postseason. He's done a lot. And he said, my dad, who was his coach his whole life, um, who passed away his first year in affiliated baseball from cancer, just kept telling him every day, believe you belong. And it was a, it was a little message on a bracelet. It was just BYB. And that was what he stuck to. And I think that's especially poignant for women right now. Um, just believe you belong. And and there's a lot that comes out and there's a lot that can be discouraging when you see some of the stories, especially in today's headlines with baseball about what women go through. But the reality is at the end of the day is we're here despite all of that. Um, that's not anything that's going to stop any of us at any point. And that's the fact is that we have each other to continue through this. And we're finally at a point now where you can speak up and you can say things if it's not something that you're okay with, but that doesn't mean you have to walk away from what you love and accept this lesser treatment. It just means that you can be louder and know that you belong here regardless of what people say. I love that. Believe you belong. Melanie, where can we keep in touch? So back in 2009, somehow all of my social media preferred handles were already taken (laughs) at the beginning of everything. So they're all the same though. It's Melanie and then my middle name, L-Y-N-N-E, and then the letter N for Newman. Um, I had to incorporate my middle name because there's apparently 11 other Melanie Newmans out there and they all got real selfish. 
Oh man, Melanie Newman, one through 10 were taken. So you needed to <laughs> reinvent Melanie Lynn and we will stay in touch. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your voice and your story with us today on the Leadership is Female podcast. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And with that, let's get into the top four takeaways from Melanie Newman. Number one, follow what lights you on fire and don't worry about the pay. The pay will come as you pursue your passions. If you lose yourself in a job and feel miserable, that's not the job you should have. Have the bravery inside you and believe in yourself. The next opportunity will become available for you. Number two, stick to your guns and know that this is where you are meant to be. Believe you belong. Number three, if you didn't get the job, you didn't lose the job. You never had the job in the first place. Move on and go after the next. And number four, there is no timeline for big career marks. Don't compare yourself to someone else's timeline. Things happen in your career on your time because it's your career. Hey leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to the show if you have not done so already because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at leadership is female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.